what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. Thank you to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. Spiritless supports the conscientious cocktailer who wants to live fully but drink differently. Their signature Kentucky 74 is a distilled non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails. It's zero alcohol zero guilt, and just 15 calories per serving. Whether you go completely spiritless or go halfsies with a foolproof bourbon to lower the ABV in your cocktail, you can get your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Welcome to To Dine For The Podcast. I'm Kate Sullivan. Join me as we meet some of the world's most creative and fascinating minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is artist, photographer, and home cook, Erin Gleason. You learn a lot about yourself when you move to a cabin in the woods, but I guess I'm a little bit more uh, <laughs> introverted than I realized. Um, and I never expected that this new setting would totally inspire my work um, to go in a very different direction. Erin Gleason left a big city life in Manhattan to carve out a simpler, quieter life in the woods of California and massive success followed. She is a photographer and artist specializing in watercolors. She created The Forest Feast, a lifestyle brand around simple vegetarian dishes that she made for her family amidst the tall pine trees of Northern California. Four New York Times best-selling cookbooks later and millions of loyal fans, Erin is a great example of carving out your own path in life and finding creative inspiration wherever life takes you, even a small cabin in the woods. Please enjoy my conversation with Erin Gleason. Erin, how are you? Good, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me on To Dine for the Podcast. Thank you, so happy to be here. <laughs> it looks like a gorgeous day in Northern California. I see the, the trees right behind you. What a beautiful, beautiful morning. I am fascinated by the fact that you were living in New York and really recreated your life. Um, can you explain your journey from New York to California and the shift in so many parts of your life? After I was uh, finished with grad school, I studied photography. I was working as a food photographer in New York. And uh, my then fiance, now husband, got a job in California. And uh, we decided to move uh, to Silicon Valley. And 
for me, I had been in New York for almost 10 years and my whole business was sort of, you know, based on my contacts there. And I was really nervous about kind of starting over in a new place. I think I was also ready for a change. So, um, it was good to have something new, but I was very nervous. And, um, when we came out just for a whirlwind weekend, uh, to try and find a place to live in California, we stumbled upon this little cabin um, that wasn't too far from his office, but felt really remote. And we just thought, you know, we don't have kids yet. We'll try this for a year or two. This looks like a fun adventure moving from Brooklyn to the woods, you know, a total 180. Um, and I never expected that this new setting would totally inspire my work um, to go on a very different direction. I think that it, you, you've set the stage beautifully. Can you... Um using however you want to do this, can you explain just where you are visually? Because so much of your success with the Forest Feast and what you've been able to do, you, at least I get the feeling, is inspired by your surroundings. So can you explain your surroundings and where you are right at this moment? Sure. I am sitting outside on the deck right now, um, looking out on a canyon of, of redwoods. And um, you can hear birds and, um, you know, the, the sky is blue and it's quiet. And um, I think that sort of quietude coming from Brooklyn was uh, a stark contrast for me. Um, I really love cities and I love being around people and food and surroundings and um, suddenly stopping that and coming to a place that was really quiet and I didn't know anyone really here. I wasn't going out for drinks with friends or meeting people or, you know, I didn't have any clients to please. And suddenly I was just in this very different place that I think um, that that space gave me time to be creative in a way that I hadn't been in a, in a very long time. Oh, that's interesting. So you're saying, you know, not only, it wasn't just the change of scenery. It wasn't just the fact that you were now in this beautiful idyllic setting, but it was the, the isolation and in a way the solitude that allowed you to mm -hmm. get, really creative. Yes, I think it was. That's interesting. <laughs> I, you learn a lot about yourself when you move to a cabin in the woods, but I guess I'm a little bit more uh, <laughs> introverted than I realized. Um, but yeah, I think with so much time on my hands, right? I didn't have kids yet. And uh, my husband was going to his new job every day. And I was just alone. Uh, in the woods. And I was trying to set up meetings for myself in San Francisco. I was hoping to shoot other people's cookbooks or shoot for magazines. And so I was sending my portfolio, but um, I, I suddenly had so much time on my hands to experiment creatively mm -hmm. um, in a way that I, I never had before. And also I didn't have the, you know, we had newly moved or we, we were newly married and sort of, um, you know, a combined household in a way that allowed for me not to have the pressure to make rent every month mm -hmm. like I had before. Right. So that, flexibility also allowed me to be creative because I didn't feel the monthly pressure. No, that, that's important. For, in New York. <laughs> yeah, that's a privilege and that's important yeah, to point out. Yeah, a huge out. privilege. Yeah. Um, but I think people need to realize, so you're a trained photographer, but really the two things that have created this brand, the Forest Feast, are really your artwork, your watercolors, and then your cooking. So yes, yes you, you kind of intended to be a food photographer, and you are a food photographer, but it was your real artistry that has sort of brought it 
to life. So when you when 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 you're in this midst of 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 quiet and isolation, did you just start painting, or what inspired you to start cooking these uh, simple vegetarian dishes? Yeah, so I really was motivated to create a new type of portfolio to be able to show to editors in San Francisco. And I was having these meetings and I wanted to show them something new that I had created because I had had a couple meetings showing them my portfolio and the feeling overall was that it looked too big city, too slick, like all shot on Mm. um, black or all shot on white, very kind of minimalist, like a lot of lighting kind of look was my aesthetic Mm -hmm. in the city. And, um, you know, California, they were like, show us more rustic wood. And I was like, I live in a cabin. I can do that. (laughs) That I can (laughs) do. That's my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just started uh, shooting things outside. I started inside at first on our dining room table and I was just sort of bored with like the the table and the tablecloths and whatever. So I, you know, I was uh, cooking things that came in our CSA box each week. So I was getting all this seasonal produce to kind of play around with. And explain what a CSA box is. Oh yeah, sure. So it's a, a community supported agriculture and it's a subscription where you pay a, a weekly fee and you get a box of what's grown that week. So it's fresh, it's organic, it's locally sourced. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to support farmers in your community and um, we got one through uh, my husband's office. And so he would bring it home once a week and I would, um, just try to make something new that I could photograph and put in my new portfolio. And my new portfolio was, um, it became a, a Tumblr blog. <laughs> Remember the Tumblr days? Yes, I do. This is, this is like 2011, 2012. Actually yesterday was the anniversary of, uh, my first post ever on the forestfeast.com. Wow, really? So this has been <laughs> uh, ninth, 10 years? Ninth anniversary. I think nine, nine actually. So yeah, it's nine. been nine years in the making. Yeah. What you create are simple vegetarian dishes that people can make at home. They're beautifully photographed. Um, watercolors go alongside of it. You have a very specific aesthetic. If I'm hearing you correctly, um, part of the inspiration for this was listening to the feedback you were receiving as you were trying to be a successful food photographer. And so you listen right. to the feedback and you adapted. Um, but what's so interesting is that everything about this brand and this aesthetic seems like it aligns with who you are. Am I correct in in that assumption? I think so. And I think... Um, you are vegetarian, right? Um, I'm actually not vegetarian. Really? <laughs> so interesting. I am a, a vegetarian cookbook author and I'm not vegetarian. Um, to be clear, I am like 98% vegetarian. Sure, but, you'd have to be. My gosh, you're uh, <laughs> cooking up a storm with vegetables. Uh, I can't say I'm 100% vegetarian because I do try things once in a while. Like if there's, you know, if I'm served something or once in a while on like a holiday or in certain occasions. Okay. Uh, it was while I was in New York and I was working with a lot of uh, amazing chefs in New York City at the James Beard Foundation and they were making all these things in the kitchen and I was shooting what they were making and they would always try to like offer it to me to try and it was like beautiful ingredients come coming from you know very responsible sources and after a while I just I thought okay I'm gonna just I can try it once in a while it's okay yes. my, my reasons were more kind of environmental for not um, eating meat and I still try to be really you know careful about that so let me ask you this it, was this the creation of the forest feast an attempt and a very successful one at creating a brand and all that goes with that in the sense that it, it speaks to where you are in your life right now. 
You are in the woods of Northern California. Mm -hmm. You are cooking vegetarian from locally sourced food. So does it speak maybe not necessarily to the heart of who you are, but to where you are in life at this moment? Certainly. Yeah. And I think um, that always shifts, right? And I think having that kind of quiet time to be creative and reflect, like really let that part of me shine Mm -hmm. because I think leaving uh, the city and coming to the woods and my idea of what I would become starting over was very different than what happened. Sure. Um, but you're probably more successful. You just never know. Well, you never know, but yeah, don't you I think you to shoot other people's cookbooks and I'd never imagined that I would like create my own cookbooks and you just never know. <laughs> I think that's what's so awesome about your story though. Like you probably achieve more success with this than you, you could have ever imagined. Um, when you first started posting on the forest feast, as you said, nine years ago, what, how did you get traction? How did you get so many eyeballs on your content, which is beautiful, but was there a secret to that sauce? Yeah, I I think I wasn't trying to um, do anything special or different. I wasn't trying to create any, um, you know, attention really. I was just really wanted it to be a personal portfolio. Um, But I think um, by sort of, like you were saying, making it true to myself, I was combining the painting and the photography uh, together. So I wanted to be able to make it uh, really visual. And I wanted to be able to, instead of just posting a photo of a dish, I thought I should share the recipe. And I was mm-hmm. doing really simple recipes because I'm not a trained chef. Mm-hmm. Um, I am certainly a home cook. I've cooked for a long time, but I'm not uh, professionally trained. But so the, I your food is really delicious. Oh, thank you. <laughs> the roasted carrots like blows my mind. Oh, I just good. made that yesterday. I mean, oh, I make yay, that all the time. It. You have great recipes. <laughs> oh, thank you. So I wanted to be able to share. Um, the recipe alongside the photo uh, in a way that was really simple and quick to look at. So just sort of what intuitively came to me was to um, use handwriting and write it out because I couldn't Mm -hmm. find a font I liked. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I used my own handwriting and I sketched it um, on a piece of paper and then I would scan it and put it on top of uh, the photo. And then I wanted some, some sort of headlines for each recipe. And um, I started painting, like just hand lettering with watercolor, the, the title. So like roasted carrots would be in watercolor handwriting. And um, then I, in New York, I had taught Photoshop at the Fashion Institute of Technology. Mm. So Photoshop is sort of like my, my thing. Yeah. And so I was just combining um, all the scanned handwriting and painting um, and photography and combining them all in Photoshop. And so I think that aesthetic was very different than what was in sort of like the food blog world at the sure. time. So I think it easily, Stood uh, out. It, it became, it became very like uh, Pinterest worthy yes. <laughs> as they say. Um, and it was unique. My, it was your yeah. own voice. It was unique. You were combining mm-hmm. a lot of your skills, um, not only just photography and artwork, but design and graphic design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was, um, you know, on on Tumblr to begin with, and um, I was very lucky that uh, Tumblr, whoever works at Tumblr, I, actually, I think I might know the person who did it, um, <laughs> put me, like, trending and as one oh. of the suggested food blogs on Tumblr early yes. on, um, and because of that, I got just a lot of followers really quick. Because like, I how was many? Si- Give me an example. Like Hundreds? over 100,000. Oh, my gosh. Like er- early on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You got just from that, you got. So it was about a lucky break. It took break. a few months, but It was yes, a lucky it, break. You got caught the eye of the right person. You got the exposure that mm-hmm. instantly gave you a very large audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that really helped propel you forward. Yeah, it did. And, um, yeah, I think that and Pinterest really helped. And then, 
you know, the food blog world was different back then and um, people started sharing it a lot um, on other blogs and sort of featuring me. Yeah, it became viral. You went viral, basically, right? <laughs> in a small way, in a yeah, small no, way, No, that yes. is not small. 100,000, <laughs> my gosh. Um, from there, at some point you realize, okay, this could become a book. And at this point you have four books, right? You have The Forest Feast, you have mm-hmm. The Forest Feast Mediterranean, mm-hmm. right? You, and what are the other two? Then I have the Forest Feast Gatherings, which is an entertaining book. Okay. And uh, the Forest Feast for Kids, which is an adaptation of my first book. Oh, that's fantastic. And aren't you working on another one about travel? I am, yeah. I'm doing the Forest Feast Road Trip right now, which is a... A California cookbook. Which is, all of it <laughs> makes sense. Everything everything you do makes sense to where you are and what you're doing. So um, take me from, you know, you're, you've got this burgeoning blog that's doing well, and you decide to do a cookbook. How hard was that, and what was the most challenging part? Because you had all the material, but... Mm-hmm. Um, it seems, you know, people always hear the story, oh, and then I wrote a cookbook. But I'm sure there were a lot of obstacles and difficulty along the way to creating this. Can you talk about that journey? Sure. Yeah. You know, I am very, very fortunate in that uh, it kind of just came to me. <laughs> um, after about six months of having my Tumblr, people, I started getting a couple like comments like, Oh, can I buy your book? Or <laughs> where's your book? And I was like, That's a sign. I don't have, I don't have a book, but yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and so I started to like ruminate in my head, like, Oh, a book, that would be really fun. But like, you know, that seems like something that would be like way off in my career, like maybe not now, you know? And um, anyways, about six months in, uh, a literary agent in New York reached out, just cold call reached out to me and asked if she could chat. And she said, I think you should turn your blog into a book mm. and I'll help you do it. And so I just started and did working you go with her. her. Would you go with that woman? I went with her. Wow. I did <laughs> because she, she repped a couple other really big bloggers that I respected mm. who also had books. And um, anyway, she's been the, I'm still working with her and she's. Yeah, that's, that was a meant to be uh, moment, Like one of the, the best career decisions I've made, but yeah. she came to me. She yeah. came to you. Well, and so really the, the, the lesson in here is to put your content out there, try to do the best content you can and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And it looks mm-hmm. like you've had a, a couple of strokes of what appears to be great luck. Um, but it came with the talent that, that you had to back it up. Um, so obviously the first cookbook, did, it was made the New York Times bestselling list, didn't it? Bestsellers list? It did, yes. So what was that <laughs> moment like? We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm or your life, You can count on your local American national agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American national companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. 
So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation. So obviously the first cookbook, it was made the New York Times bestselling list, didn't it? Bestsellers list? It did, yes. So what was that <laughs> moment like? It was so exciting. Um, you know, everybody's on, on East Coast time. So I got a very early morning phone call from wow. a whole team at Abrams, my, my publisher. And they just, you know, called me first thing in the morning with like six people on the call. And they were just like, hey, you made your book made the times. Yay. You know. <laughs> so for the people who are listening who have aspirations of making the New York Times bestseller list, uh, bestselling list, what would you say contributes to that? Is it having a following and an audience that is just served up and ready to and, and, and sort of hungry for the content? Or is there something more? You know, I, I, I don't know if I should speak as an expert on this because I'm not really sure. And as far as I can um, gather, um, nobody else is totally sure either. But I think that um, there are certain uh, bookstores, independent bookstores that have like a representative that um, contributes their feedback and uh, numbers to the bestsellers list board or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so it's I think it's really important to get in with the independent booksellers mm -hmm. early on. Mm -hmm. um, some of your numbers are also determined by uh, your pre-orders. So yes. every time I, I have a, a book come out, like they really push the pre-orders because right. that contributes to your, so I think it has to happen like early on in the, um, or it's like for me, it happened early on in uh, right after publication. Sure. Um, but there were certain independent bookstores that they sort of pushed me to have signings at and, this is your publisher. Um, gather yes, and gather people at certain bookstores because they thought maybe those bookstores had some influence, <laughs> but we don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> so you've written four New York Times bestselling cookbooks. You're working on your fifth. Do you ever think to yourself, gosh, I am sick of the forest feast. I need a, <laughs> <laughs> I need a new mission or kind of where are you creatively? Yeah. So, um, you know, the the Forest Feast, the Forest Feast for Kids and the Forest Feast Gatherings, the first three books were all shot here at the cabin, um, all kind of home based and inspired by living here. And for the fourth book, I think I was starting to uh, look for some inspiration. Mm -hmm. So that's why um, I, I pitched it to my editor. Um, how about if we do a travel book? So mm -hmm. that was the Forest Feast Mediterranean that came out last year, one year ago at this time. Um, and my husband had a sabbatical from work for three months. And so that allowed us to travel. And we just decided to go to the Mediterranean. Um, and we spent time uh, in Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. Mm. And our kids were pretty little at the time. So nobody was in school that we had to worry about. They were uh, one and three. I followed you. I followed the journey. <laughs> I love it because I had just, I don't know if I had just come back from Portugal. Uh, but I was really taken, well, I certainly, I love the Amalfi Coast. Yeah. And um, that so much of the Mediterranean, and the food is so simple. It really lends itself to simple vegetarian dishes, right? That you can kind of mm -hmm. um, capture the spirit. It's so different than America. There's uh, a different palate. There's a different, mm -hmm. like, and I mean that both, you know, palate is in what you're eating and palate is in colors. So yes, um, it yeah. really lends like itself <laughs> to the forest feast. So it's interesting. You... Um, 
you've done this incredible job of branding and and creating this brand and it's it will be very fascinating to see where where it goes do you have do you have an idea or is, do you have um creative inspirations that are taking you down a different path i'm working on it yeah um so uh let's see back in 2016 i did a whole line of stationery mm. with my artwork on it um we had calendars and paper placemats and note cards and um, a meal planner, um, and different items that those are really fun. So it's like, I'm always, um, doing all kinds of artwork that lends itself to be put on products or other things. And, um, so it was really fun to do that collaboration with my publisher. Um, and from there, you know, around the house, I'm always putting my artwork on things like, like clothing and throw pillows and, uh, kids. Ooh, you know, I feel a stuff, home line. Stuff in the kids' room. I know, right? So Target, I would love to do, where's Target? Uh, <laughs> working on it. Um, <laughs> I would love to kind of branch out. I think uh, sometimes I worry about, you know, putting more uh, things out into the into the world that maybe, you know, more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would want it to be very thoughtfully done and sustainably done. But, you know, I like the idea of bringing inspiration into people's homes um, in a way that makes them feel like they're living creatively. Um, and, you know, the small, beautiful items around your home can kind of brighten your day and make you feel good. So I like that idea. But I would love to do like a some sort of um, creative cooking show. Mm. Um, I think that would be really fun. It'd be great at uh, that. Where people could learn about photography mm-hmm. and painting and cooking really simple, colorful vegetarian meals. What advice would you give for to a, to, to a creative, to an artist who's listening right now, who's maybe beginning their journey? You know, there's so much self-doubt, especially when you're first starting. Um, yeah. What advice would you give them? Yeah, I think don't be too attached to the, the final outcome mm. and sort of stay focused on what feels really right to you and give yourself, you know, time to be creative. Mm-hmm. Back when I was in New York, I was always trying to do a photo related job, but I was always hustling. Like, you know, early on I was walking dogs and babysitting and working at a restaurant. <laughs> also I could do like the free your the unpaid internship with the photographer to learn things. And I think uh, early on, I imagined my dream would be to like be in New York city with a big studio and have you know, commercial clients that came to me and like this whole thing. And that was sort of like my end goal. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to be like able to adapt. Adaptable. New things come up. And I think I like this version of my success better. Yeah. But I never even dreamed of this. Like wow. I never just, I just never even, so it's like, you know, sort of take it one step at a time and the rest will light up. I think what, what needs to be emphasized is how hard you work. Um, I don't, I think don't, I don't know if people necessarily get that from talking to you because you, you are so calm and thoughtful and deliberate about your, your demeanor. I think what's hidden in all this is the fact that you were willing to work all those jobs, that you were willing to take the internship with the photographer, you were doing design and teaching, and you Mm -hmm. have acquired all these skills and you have hustled hard, even Mm -hmm. though you're in the midst of tranquility and (laughs) you are still hustling hard. A lot of years, a lot of years led up to to this that's true but I also think it's important that you have made space for creativity and that you have allowed your path to meander and that has what has brought you the greatest success I think Mm -hmm. that's really fascinating how do you personally stay creative and how can you help others to do the same thing yeah so um, I've noticed that for myself 
um, I do well when I'm by myself. <laughs> so alone time um, and quiet is really helpful for me to kind of ruminate in my head to get new creative ideas. But I, I think also just contrast. So um, trying to go to a different place or um, be in nature or um, go for a walk or just sort of mix up your routine. You know, I guess everybody says that probably, but I think it's really true. Mm -hmm. Like I find that I find, I find that I get a lot of new ideas when I'm just on a walk by myself and I just, you know, leave my phone behind and allow my mind to wander and look at things and not everyone will get that, but the people who do get that will really get it. So yeah. I, I think you're, you're speaking to the right audience at, for the right yeah. time. Um, okay, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I want to talk about uh, great food and indulgences. And I just wondered, you know, with you and you having, um, you know, f- taking such beautiful pictures of, of food all the time and creating these recipes, what is your greatest, like, Friday night splurge? Like, what, do you cr- what are you craving right now? Or what have you had lately <laughs> that has just been off the charts? Oh, that's a good question. Well, since we're home so much, we're doing so much um, cooking, cooking and barbecuing since it's warm. Ah. So Friday nights for us, we're, we're Jewish and we always celebrate Shabbat on yes. Friday. So after the kids go to bed on Friday nights, we almost always have a, a sit down candlelit dinner, the oh, two of us. How beautiful. <laughs> Pretty how much beautiful. every Friday. And we play music and, um, you know, try not to look at our phones or watch TV or anything. And we just try to have kind of a quiet evening. Um, and one of my favorite, favorite things to eat in the whole world, like probably my favorite meal <laughs> is a barbecued meal uh-huh. uh, with eggplant. So I love to wow. slice the eggplant lengthwise put olive oil salt and pepper and put that on the grill with also some sliced onions that are grilled and then I put all of that on a big plate and I like to do kind of like a um not really a salad but sort of like a platter to Mm -hmm. like put things together so I have a little pile of arugula Mm -hmm. um, a little pile of really good cheese like maybe burrata Uh um, or I love grilling halloumi cheese because you can put it right on the barbecue with a little honey Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some really good, we're getting great tomatoes out of the garden right now. Um, so some fresh tomatoes. And I have sort of like all these different colors, right? So the red tomatoes, the green arugula, the purple eggplant, the white cheese, and sort of this little platter of items. And I use the eggplants as a sort of taco. <laughs> oh, and I put wow. things inside of it. So I make these little kind of taco wraps using that grilled eggplant. And I may maybe put like a little bit of truffle salt on there. Mm. And that with a glass of wine is probably my favorite meal. That sounds del- some really good crusty bread. The crusty, <laughs> you got to have some crusty bread. That sounds delicious. <laughs> I should also point out you do some dynamite cocktails, right? And they're all oh, thank and you. they're also inspired by herbs <laughs> and, and different things that you find in the forest and different and and produce. Um, but yeah, you know, just keep doing what you're doing because it it certainly inspires me. Um, I'm so grateful to you for this conversation. Um, and to share a little bit of your, I like to think of it as a bubble, because for people who want to follow you at the Forest Feast, they will see what we're talking about, that you are in the woods and you have twinkle lights and you're amidst the trees and you're dishing up this beautiful food. You've really created um, your own bubble that, is, that people find 
an enormous amount of inspiration from. And I hope that they will take that and create their own bubble and their own uh, way to see the world because it really is beautiful as an observer. So thank you, Erin, for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. (laughs) Have a wonderful day. We can talk soon. Okay, sound good? Okay, sounds good. Bye-bye. Thank Thank you, Kate. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. 